Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by CFM. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Jonathan Block of Exchange Data, the provider of market data. In our conversation, Jonathan and I understand Exchange Data's offering and competitors and how market data fits into the wider investment world, including alternative data. If you have a data set that might be of interest for the podcast, please get in touch. In this episode, I'm joined by Jonathan Block of Exchange Data International. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jonathan. My pleasure. It's you know, it's great to converse and talk with people from the industry. Fantastic, um, Jonathan. Why don't we start? Why don't you just? I mean, you are the CEO and founder, I believe, of Exchange Data International, which you have been doing since July 1994. So, so you're quite. You know what you're talking about. I would say in this in this particular space. Um, why don't you just start off by saying, for those who don't know, what is Exchange Data International? Sure. So Exchange Data International, otherwise known as EDI, has been going, as you rightly said, from 1994. We are a data provider based in London with its clients worldwide, although predominantly in the USA, which provides data on, such as reference data, corporate actions and closing prices for most tradable instruments around the world. And we are based in the UK, in the USA, India and Morocco. Fantastic. How did it come about in the first place? It actually came out of a consultancy project I was doing and one thing led to another and we started a very small company doing UK data. Um, And then our clients who were based in the city said, look, we're not really interested only in UK data. We want international data. So brick by brick, we've expanded from equities to fixed income to derivatives to funds. What was the competition like at that point? The competition was much more an unconsolidated industry. And at the moment, the industry has been pretty much consolidated really into four major players in our space. Who? So that would be Bloomberg and then three companies which are owned by exchanges. Six, the Swiss Exchange. Refinitiv, which is owned by London Stock Exchange, and Interactive Data, which is owned by ICE, which is the New York Stock Exchange. Fantastic. Okay, so you're you're in amongst you're still in amongst the big boys, but you've got the fact you've been going since 1994 on your side. Um, so um, so let's go into a bit more detail. You are so you're a market data provider against, as we say, up against some some big boys. Um, let's run through what your what your what your offering is now. What kind of data do you provide in, under that under that umbrella? So we provide reference data. And what do we mean by reference data? So reference data are the key fields on any particular security that you need to, to that you need require to set them up in a portfolio or a security master file. So for example, let's just take an equity. You need to know the name of the issuer usually the country in which it was incorporated. If it's got an an equity share, a description of that share, the currency of that share, the primary exchange on which it's listed, etc., etc. 
and the same would apply for a fixed income instrument except you'd require a lot more information such as the maturity of the bond uh, the par value it's a okay um so equities and fixed income uh, do you go into derivatives absolutely so we cover virtually all tradable derivatives be they commodities interest rates equities fixed income based etc and then we have a lot of ancillary products surrounded such as a derivative trading hours product which covers which hours the particular contracts trade trading um, a corporate action product which links equity derivatives with the underlying security so when the underlying security is affected by corporate action we reflect that in the derivative mm -hmm. okay so there's a lot of descriptive information um uh, there's price as well absolutely so we have closing prices on virtually all instruments worldwide so we get those from the exchanges as well as other providers in equities we cover something like 170 exchanges on derivatives we cover over 80 exchanges and then we also have otc over the counter closing prices for various fixed income instruments um and you your data goes back to 1994 or before so most of our data on closing prices will go back particularly equity data to 2007 um some of the bond information goes back three to five years why is that well, that's where we managed to get the sourcing done. Got it. Yeah. So that so so bond so that on the bond side that will have entered your stable in three to five years ago. How come two thousand seven and not nineteen ninety four? So it took many years for us to build up uh, the closing prices. We had to approach all the exchanges, and if they were not cooperative, we had to find local providers who could provide us. We had to build the technology, etc. Okay. So so. Uh, so after 2007 is when you kind of really had it all up and running and, and the full catalogue was, was, was ready. Do you have some offerings which go back further? Yes, we've got actually corporate actions which go back to 2005, um, which is when our corporate action product matured. We go back slightly earlier, but that's when we feel confident that the history is good. Perfect. Okay. Um, and so why would you, um, why, so you're, you got, um, as we said, three major competitors in the space um, and, and four, some of them, four, four. sorry, four major competitors in the space and some of them are attached to, you know, large stock exchanges. Um, what is your competitive edge? Why would, what, what do you, what's, why would someone come to you and not to them? There are a whole bunch of reasons. Firstly, um, we sell high quality data at affordable prices. But more importantly, if somebody's a service provider and provides data to end users, we provide a lot more liberal redistribution rights than our competitors. We are less concerned in which particular app they put the data. We rather do an all-embracing deal with them than nitpick them on price. So some of the some of the other places that you mentioned will be selling a package, and if and if, uh, for example, I don't know uh, who we're thinking of, maybe a bank, I don't know, might might want to buy this package 
um, then they, uh, one of your competitors might be selling the market data to the equities team of the bank, but then also uh, would would want more money for selling to the fixed income team of the bank or, or something like that. Whereas Absolutely. you're happy to sell to the bank as a, as a, as a whole. Exactly. Okay. At an affordable price. At an affordable price, fantastic. Um, and so, what kind of what kind of customers are we talking about? Could you can you can you um, do they fall into into kind of a few categories? Sure. So we have, for example, a lot of index providers. We have a lot of stock screeners. We have people who process corporate actions. We have credit rated agencies. Anybody who is examining or recycling data in the securities market to end users is potentially a client for us. And do you have hedge funds? Absolutely. So that would be in the end user market. So we've got some very big investment banks, hedge funds, and asset managers. That would be an end user market. So you're suggesting there's a middleman between you and them? No, we are trying to provide data directly to the end user market. It's a much more difficult market to penetrate than the service providers. There's a lot more end users than there are service providers, but our niche historically has been the service providers. Because the end users are less likely to shop around, perhaps are more likely to go for one of the big names because they're familiar with it. Exactly. Also, they often want just one provider for all their data sets. And we are somewhat still, although we're getting out of that, a niche provider rather than a generalized big provider. And so if there was somebody who was currently an end user who was currently using, I don't know, a, a Bloomberg or one of the others that you mentioned, um, then you would urge them to look into your package because you, you, you feel that you might be able to offer a similar, uh, similar product, but at a, at a more affordable fee, potentially. Yes, in particularly as regards equities and derivatives, I would say that. Do you think there would be are there are there many um, barriers to changing? Is it is it a very sticky business? It's a very sticky business. There are the barriers to are to to changing provider are several. Firstly, you've got the cost of doing that. It's not a simple process of switching one provider to another. Two, even when you've switched on a technological level, you still have to map the data because you probably have got certain fields in your database and how one provider describes a particular data set is very different from another data provider. So you've got to be really committed to switching. But people do switch, and they switch for three reasons. One, the cost of the existing provider comes prohibitive, or what they feel is they're not getting value for money. Two, the quality of the data has deteriorated over time because that particular database or data set that they take has not been maintained. And three, some of the big providers will, if they cannot get a price increase, will introduce contractual restrictions. And there comes a breaking point for a lot of companies where they say, you know what, we're paying too much for too little Let's look at alternatives. Um, okay, brilliant. So where does alter when did you become aware of alternative data? So we've known about alternative data for some time, partly because we've had interactions with several alternative data providers over the years as they look to sell their data to the securities industry. And in order to do that, they need to package their data 
so it can be used by the securities industry. And so um, when you say sometime, can you, do you know when? So I would say in the last five years, we became aware of the alternative data provider set, particularly okay. because a lot of them have come out of the, the sort of data science area and believe that they can provide insights from data sets which has suddenly become available thanks to computing power and the whole concept of big data. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so alternative data comes into the picture. Um, and alternative data, somebody who wants to use alternative data needs reference data as a basis. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, by all means. So the reason why there's been a resistance often to using alternative data is because it's not packaged in a way that it can be used by a securities firm. So if we give you an example, if you were looking at credit card purchases in the USA and you saw, well, you know, we could see that Walmart are selling more of X good, who are their suppliers? Well, we think Walmart might be, based on what we see in the credit cards, a good buy. Walmart has different classes of shares, I believe, or if they don't, you still need to know what exchange it's listed. You need to know what its identifier is. You know, you need to know, do they have any fixed income instruments? And all that information you need to feed alongside your alternative data set. Otherwise, it cannot be automatically used. Um, also, would you need the historic price information potentially to understand what historic moves and the alternative data effect it might have had on the on the price in the past? If people are doing correlation studies, yes. You know, sometimes alternative data providers, depending on what they're looking at, a particular data set, they might, for example, want to look at weather data and what's its impact been on commodities. Indeed, indeed. Um, and so how has that, have you noticed a change in uh, what customers are asking you for um, with the advent of alternative data? Has your, has your situation changed as a result of alternative data coming into, into play in the last five years? Yes, we've seen a lot more demand for reference data. I mean, usually when people start providing alternative data, they don't see any need for reference data, but they soon discover that it's absolutely essential. For example, in the US, when a stock is delisted, six months later, the stock exchange reuses the ticker. So if anybody is looking at a particular ticker and they don't realize that, they can get it very horribly wrong. Hmm. And so you need to say so they need someone like you to, 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 to show that and that change. Um, um, when you say when somebody starts providing alternative data, so you're talking about you're, you're rather than the necessarily the hedge fund, the end user who is trying to who's bought alternative data from an alternative data provider and needs to map it to the reference data which they get from you. You were you were just talking about the alternative data provider who has got this wonderful source of data and then needs to tickerize it and they need to come to you in order to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean. In order to get user acceptance, they've got to make it as simple as possible for the user to use the data. And if the user has to start to append reference data to their data, there's, firstly, it's costly for the end user. Secondly, it's time consuming. And three, it could be prone to error. 
Do you think, I don't know, I don't know if this is something you thought about, but do you think there are ways to make yourself um, more, make your data more usable for this purpose um, and, and differentiate yourself from competitors for people who want to tickerize their alternative data? Is there specific things that you can do to come halfway to make it easier for your data to, to make up part of this process? Well, in some ways, yes. And so we have recently introduced an API which means that somebody doesn't have to download a whole file of data, but they can just call certain securities by their name or by their ticker to get all the referential data, which makes it much easier for somebody to uh, not having to trawl through loads of data. Yes, for sure. Um, and so what is there... Uh, is there anything we haven't covered? Is there anything um, on the subject of alternative data which you think is worth mentioning with with um, with relation to your company? Well, I mean, I think the other thing that people have to realise if they are building an alternative data set and are using reference data, they need to take the corporate actions because mm -hmm. companies get delisted, they change their name, they demerge parts of their company. There's a lot of activity in the securities market. It's not a static market we do four data feeds a day and some of our clients say we wish you could provide more feeds a day what do you mean by four feeds a day so we provide four updates a day that's correct yes wow and they say so that would be perhaps more high frequency or more rapid traders who want who no. want it as no no it's people updating their databases because there's so many changes on a worldwide basis and so they need to be using um so, and they would get that from any one of the competitors as well. And is it part of the standard package, the, the corporate actions data? No, I mean, it's a separate package because it includes things like dividends, consolidation, stop splits. It's a very comprehensive package which cover all events which change the capital structure of the company. Mm -hmm. And what's your view on, on alternative data as someone who's been around for a little while and has seen the arrival? Do you think it's the latest flash in the pan or do you think this is the future? Well, I think some alternative data is definitely here to stay. It's going to be useful, not just in the financial sector, but also for analysing consumer behaviour, for marketing purposes, as well as particularly to pick up trends in as they reflect the welfare of particular companies. So, for example, credit card information might give an insight into how well a particular retail sector is doing. I think some forms of alternative data are going to have a very short life because they're going to be eclipsed by other data sets becoming available, which will make them less relevant. So for example, if we look at ESG in Europe, with all the regulatory material coming out of the EU, companies will be forced to provide a lot of this ESG information on their website. And people will scrape the websites to get the information. And so a lot of these ESG data providers are going to struggle to, unless they find a way to add value to that information which is going to be freely available from the company i think i think that sounds that sounds about right i the, there's always the idea that somebody um 
can you know a, a true entrepreneur can um, go out and buy sell umbrellas because it's raining type thing and and i and i feel a lot of that happened around covid um and there were covid related data sets which sprung up and and around the very strange circumstances which existed in covid and then the end of covid saw you know that it was less easy to get the data or, or people didn't want it in the same way so i, I feel like that person, those people probably go off and do something else imaginative and entrepreneurial potentially. And what ESG is, is a whole world of its own in a way, isn't it? It's been a whole kind of trend of its own and, and is, and it's telling its own story, but, but, um, but yeah, in a way this, that, that kind of, it's all part of the creative destruction of, of the markets, isn't it? That a new product comes up and then is made obsolete and a new one comes along to, to, to get beyond it. But the deeper question is, um, do you see alternative data as being, the leading edge of the ever-growing march of traditional data essentially is it just going to be folded into essentially the market data which which you recognized back in 1994 is it just the is it the evolution of that or is it something which is a is a is a tributary and, and will always be separate well i think some alternative data will become part of the mainstream once it becomes cheaper to produce and the signals that they produce become accepted as standard signals, then it will become part of the data infrastructure. I think a lot of it actually will disappear, as you say, you know, creative and then destroyed. Mm. When when do you think, uh, will there be a moment where you start thinking I need to have, I need to be providing this, do you think? what would you be looking for how do you how do you keep abreast of that well we have we already cover over 50 data sets and i'm constantly approached by people to try and sell uh some of their data sets and we look at it and see whether um there could potentially be a market for it and we've just taken on a data set which is u.s private company information where the US, unlike the UK, has no equivalent of companies' house. So it's very hard to, to obtain information on private companies. Mm. And what this company has done is using machine learning and artificial intelligence, they have tried to estimate what the financial results are of many million, several million US private companies. Mm. And they've done that by looking, for example, how much office space do they occupy? In what sector? What are the average salaries of the people? And then, you know, try to construct using all these algorithms some sort of financial profit and loss and balance sheet. Wow. I mean, that sounds that's a, that's a lot of assumptions. That sounds like the work of a hedge fund, really, of of then kind of making investments of it. I'm fascinated that they've turned that into something which could be treated as a almost a kind of reference data set. Well, you see, this is where people, you know, be creative and try fill out fill out fill in a gap, right? Hmm. There's a gap in information on U.S. private companies, some very very big ones, hmm. and. For example, anybody lending them money, anybody trading with them, particularly in strained environment, wants to know who they're dealing with. How from a from a so interestingly from a data provider perspective, so you've got fifty data sets on your on your um in your offering. Is that is that a pass through model? Are you are you paying them for usage or do you own the data sets? Both. So okay. we 
generally own the data sets, we build the data sets, and then we also do pass-throughs, but most of the pass-throughs, the, the clients will sign out contracts. We found very difficult to sell data sets where people have to sign two different contracts because it represents a burden to them on yeah. the legal team. So they For prefer sure. to do one contract, doesn't matter how many appendices. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and so what you would, so could that be the model that you would be looking for, for, for perhaps if you were going to bring alternative data into your offering, it would be, um, something, would you be looking for something which could really fit neatly with your existing data? What would, what would be the, um, yeah, or, or what you've just suggested is perhaps if you, if you perceive there to be a gap in your data, in this case, us private companies, then that makes it very attractive. How would you, how would you, consider um if someone coming to you with a potentially more alternative type of data set saying um would you like to add this to your to your stable well i mean the first thing we'd look and see if it's data that can be used by the financial service sector because that's the market we serve we do sell some data to corporates but very but very few uh, data sets to the corporate market so we really service in the financial sector and if somebody's got alternative data, which they feel there's a use case in the financial service sector, we'd love to talk to them and see if, if we approached our biggest clients, whether they would be interested in that. Is there, a, is there an issue with um, homogeneity um, in that you would want it to be very similar to your current offering? Or would you be willing to consider something which is, I don't know, just looks, looks completely different, really, because it's, it's come from such a different source? Absolutely. I mean, we already, you know, we've just taken on another data set, which is political risk. You know, um, what does that look like? So that's where they score different countries as regards, you know, the risk of instability, which mm. is very topical at the moment, as you can imagine. Of course. Sitting in London. <laughs> yes, yes. Is it? Um, I'd rather think about Russia, Ukraine at the moment. But yes. Um but does the um, so that so that would be um, professional opinion risk essentially? It's it, it would be the analysts uh, ad, ad, attaching scores rather than any any kind of quantitative measure. Um, well, they actually yeah they do. Um, it's quite a complex model, and this model has actually been going since the nineteen seventies. Wow! So nice. and it's used by banks and credit departments, etc. But I would put it very much in the sort of alternative data set. From your perspective, when you're when you're thinking of your competitive, you know, um, struggle with these with these other providers, do you think there could be um, that alternative data and the and the getting innovative with alternative data sets and this kind of thing could be a way that you could differentiate yourself in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to be the right sort of alternative data. It's got to fulfil a need mm. because. The existing data sets, for whatever reason, do not fill the gap. So the U.S. private company is a classic. The amount of times I've heard from other companies or banks, we just don't have any information on what this U.S. private company is doing. Multitude of times. Yeah. Um, are there any other clear gaps that you that you that spring to mind? Well, I mean, I think there are. They're not in our sector, but I think there are huge gaps in the medical side, for example, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, there are gaps in P 
people pulling together data on um, side effects of drugs, regulatory actions against drug companies, all that sort of stuff. So that should be said. Someone, someone listening to this who's wondering what alternative data set to come up with should be um, beavering away to solve that one, ideally. Yeah. I mean, years ago, I was approached by somebody who was trying to set up a data set where they would take a big company and they would just literally go worldwide and search for any regulatory infraction that company had been involved in, any negative information. This was before ESG became popular. Mm. Now, somebody might have done that already. I mean, there, there are alternative data providers doing adverse news, for example. Mm. Many yeah, yeah, for sure. But I don't know how deep they go, whether they search all the registers, whether they search all the regulatory authorities. Okay. Uh, and do you have you have you brought e- e- ESG into the um, Exchange Data International world, or or have you have you kept it at arm's length? We've kept that at arm's length. There are just too many providers at the moment, mm. and not only too many providers, and most of the users use the data provided by the major index providers. Mm. And so if you were going to do ESG, you should have done it five or 10 years ago and then sold your company to one of the big index providers for a large sum of money. And that's what quite a few have done. I think I've, sp- I've, had, a, I've had one or two on this podcast for, under very similar circumstances. So yes, um, I think that's I think that sounds familiar. Um, brilliant. Jonathan, is there anything which I should have asked you and I haven't? No, I think that's great. And I think, you know, if there's anybody listening to this podcast wants to contact me, I'd love to talk to them. Fantastic. Any any alternative data providers who want to potentially become part of or either use you for reference data or become part of your reference data or um, if any alternative data buyers want to use you for reference data, um, then they should get in touch for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you very much. Fantastic, Jonathan. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, great talking. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.